Hi, welcome to our How to Ride Bible Study. So we're going through a new book tonight. We're going to be in 1 Peter tonight. We're opening a new book, and so what a blessing it is. Um, I'll go, go ahead and go through the uh, and read the first um, nine verses. We're going to do, be doing the first nine verses, and then we'll go back and um, allow the Lord to speak into our hearts tonight. And so here we go, verse 1. It says, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time in this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, I'm sorry, having, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What verse are you reading out of? I'm reading out of the New King James. New King James. Yes. And so uh, we'll stop there and pray tonight. And so, Father God, we, uh, we ask tonight, Lord, that you would um, speak into uh, our hearts tonight, Lord. Um, we want to thank you tonight, Lord, that you um, know each and every one of us in this room, Father. You know us personally, uh, not only the people in the room, Father, but all those who are watching online, Lord. We ask um, that you would do a mighty work um, in each and every one of us. May we hear from you tonight, Lord. This is our prayer. Um, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we, uh, every time we go to a new book, I always uh, love to do a little bit of a background of, uh, of the study. Uh, we have a mighty study tonight as we are opening up Peter. Um, he is probably one of the most um, known um, apostles of God. Um, and so as we see him, and I, I think that I, I, the thing that I love so much about uh, Peter is he is so relatable um, to us as, as men. Um, there's often times that he would speak to Jesus and he would blurt out things that many of us would probably say, yeah, we need somebody to ask the question, but we didn't want to ask it ourselves. And so Peter was always the guy that blurted out things, to, and he spoke to the Lord, and many times he spoke out of turn. But we love that because through that, we learn so much about the Lord, and we learn so much about Peter. But a couple of things about Peter. So we know that he was a fisherman, um, and we know that him and his brother Andrew, and his brother Andrew was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. Um, and through that, this is how, um, as he was uh, with John the Baptist, they came and they saw the Messiah. And he said he recognized the Messiah. 
And he came, and him and Peter, and he said, let's go and see um, this Jesus. And remember, this comes from uh, John 1.42. And when he saw uh, Peter, Jesus saw Peter for the first time, remember that he renounced him. He said that his name was Simon. Um, and at that time when he saw, I love this, because he saw him, he said that he is going to change his name. The Lord changed his name to Cephas. Um, and this is in the Aramaic. He changed him. And if you don't know this, Aramaic was his native uh, language for Peter. And he was in the Aramaic. And he, so he told him his name would be uh, Cephas. <coughs> and in the Greek, it would be Petros. And so, um, in which way we get the name Peter. And so he changed it, in which means either stone or rock. And this is so, uh, I love this, that the Lord um, used, that it changed his name right when he saw him. And, and this is one of the things, and I think many of us in this room, the Lord, without us knowing, he has changed many of our names. And it, as they walked with Christ, as Peter walked with Christ, Simon, there was many times that even the Lord himself referred to him as Simon. And there was other times that he referred to him as Simon Peter, and other times he called him Peter. And I love this because I think as the Lord calls us and as we walk as believers as followers of christ i'm sure if he's given us another name there is many times that he calls us our old name because many times i act in my old nature my flesh right my flesh and so i just love this that he had many times referred to him in different ways but one of the things that we see that the love of christ that he had there for peter um, that he called him this stone and this is um he he saw he could see peter who he would become that rock that rock, he would see him who he would become. And this is the reason why this room is filled with car builders, people who love to work on automobiles, who love to work on cars. And I love that because many of you have that same vision. You see that piece of metal, and many of you like have more, way more vision than I do because many of you start off with a cow or you start off with a cab, and the next thing you know, you turn it into a masterpiece, a, a, a rolling piece of art. And it, it is beautiful to see. But at many times, this is the same way that the Lord sees many of us. He doesn't see us in our present state. He sees us in what we will become if we will give our hearts to Christ. And it's just so beautiful to see that the Lord sees us this way. One of the things that, that we, as we're following the study here, one of the things that I'm always reminded of, and this comes from Matthew 16, 13 through 18, that Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi. Um, and if you've never been to Israel, I, I encourage everybody in the room to go to Israel uh, once in your life. You've got to make it there um, somehow, some way. Uh, make it to Israel because Caesarea Philippi is a very beautiful place. There's, if you've never been there before, I'll try to describe it. Um, and there's little waterfalls and it's very quaint. It's a big place. But one of the things, if you don't know this by this story, if you don't know this, that in the hillside, um, there's carvings. Of, um, of pagan gods that they were worshiping right behind their Caesar Philippi. They were worshiping all these false idols in the carvings. And they say, some of the uh, tour guides said that they thought that they were even sacrificing babies and, and sacrificing human sacrifices to these pagan gods. And this would be a place that Jesus Christ would take his disciples and he would ask them here this question. He would say, who do men say that I am? And we, and we love this because he reached out to them and said, who do men say that I am? And they say, many of them say that you are John the Baptist. And others said that you are Elijah. And then they say that you are Jeremiah. And many say the prophets. And he looked at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? And it was 
Simon Peter, it was Peter that spoke up, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And this is a beautiful thing that we see there. And one of the things that after that he said also, he said, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And, and it says, and the, um, and the walls of Hades shall not prevail against it. We see that something in that, we, somehow we got, uh, we got off the track here because the Catholics believe that on that rock that he was speaking of Peter. Uh, he wasn't speaking about Peter. The Lord, they were speaking about that, he had, that revelation that he had just had, that he was the Christ, the son of the living God, that on that premise that he was going to build his church on the premise of Jesus Christ and who he is. And so we see that many of those things we see that as, as uh, history goes by. And one of the things that I wanted to bring this up, and it's so powerful, um, is that also that we see this from Matthew 8, 14 through 17. Uh, we see that, um, that Peter was married. Um, and so this would kind of go against the, what they originally believed. That, that We know clearly that if you read the Bible and follow the Bible, <coughs> we know Peter was married. One of the things that I'll just briefly read it here. It said, now when Jesus had come to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother um, lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. Uh, many of the uh, stories or the people believe that, that the uh, mother-in-law, his mother-in-law actually lived with them, with Peter and his wife. And this would, for their times, if this would be uh, something that they would be doing. And so she was sick and Jesus healed her um, there in the house. Um, there is a, a fourth century Roman historian, um, and his name is um, Eusebius. And he said that, um, this doesn't come from the Bible, it's, he said that <coughs> Peter and his wife were both martyred on the very same day. Mm. And we know that, we know that, um, that Peter, that his, um, they said that he was, uh, his penalty for, his, for being martyred, they said that his was crucifixion. And he cried out to the people that were crucifying him that he said that he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. And he asked to be crucified upside down, which they did. And he was crucified upside down. And so we see this in Peter that he had the heart and he didn't want to be, do anything that the Lord and, and, and bring any kind of shame. So he, he didn't find himself worthy. We see Peter, he had many high points in his life. Remember that Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, when he was with Jesus there, and we saw that there was Moses and Elijah, they would came back, the prophets had come back, and he was there present with them. And when I was studying for this and thinking about this, I, I oftentimes I think in our hearts or in our minds, we think that the Lord um, with Peter and, and James and John, they must have been a special bunch of, the, of, of apostles of God because it seems like they were always with the Lord. But one of the things that I'm reminded of, and, and, and many of us, we know this as, as being parents, fathers, we know our children, that many times I think that the children that we bring with us is that we know that we cannot let them out and let them be loose on their own. And, and so I, I kind of use the same analogy as, as the Lord did, is that maybe Peter, James, and John, they were the ones that he said, maybe I shouldn't let them out of my sight, that those are the ones that I bring with me all the time. And so I, I thought it was uh, interesting. But some of the things also that we remember that, 
that Peter was the one who walked on water and some of the things, amazing things that Peter did. And we saw all along that we're reminded and we learn about life. We were talking about it before the study, myself and Paul, tonight. That it's amazing that as we see that Peter walked on water with the Lord, it is when he took his eyes off it. And I know many of us, we always know this, that he took his eyes off the Lord and he started looking at his circumstances. It's when he sank in the water and he started, he went down. But the Lord lovingly reached down and brought him back. And brought him back and so we we see that but he was the the same the same uh, peter that loved the lord and and the last one here is that we remember that peter was also given the vision there in joppa and if you've ever been to, to israel this is one of the places that you want to go this is simon the tanner's house um, that is there in joppa and joppa is just outside of tel aviv and many of us were familiar with joppa because joppa is the place remember jonah Right where they, they talk about Jonah and so but Joppa is known and this is where the vision came to Peter that it said that that blanket was coming down with all the animals on it remember and it said rise Peter kill and eat and remember he had said no Lord and he said no you must not consider what I have cleansed you must not consider it unclean and what the Lord was speaking to Peter about he was speaking about the accepting of Christ for the Gentiles because remember the Jews that they did not want to, they did not think that the gospel was for the Gentiles, but the Lord was making it clear to him that those things could be accepted and they would accept Christ. And through that, they would see that. And the thing that I love about that, that this was uh, where uh, Cornelius, um, this is in Acts chapter 10, that he came and he was the first Gentile convert in the Bible that we see. And so he came. But one of the things that I think that Peter, many of us, as we read our Bibles, we are always reminded about Peter that we remember his failure, right? That he denied the Lord three times. And I think many of us, we're always, if we think about Peter in the Bible, we always, our mind always goes to him denying the Lord three times. And I think many of, the, of us, in my heart, I think many a times, because there is many a times that I failed the Lord in things that he has put on my heart and I have failed. And so this makes Peter to me very, very relatable. But one of the things that I think that we should always be reminded, even though that he had denied the Lord three times, that I can imagine the way he felt in his heart when Jesus was crucified. And he said, I never got an opportunity for the Lord to restore me. I denied him. And we remember that the, that we remember that the, the, the Lord had, was, was sent out to be crucified. But we see that Jesus loved Peter so much that he appeared to him. In his resurrected body and this comes from John 21 right we remember that on the sea there he was on the sea that they were fishing and this is amazing that Peter went back to his old profession he went back to being a fisherman which he was originally he went back to that he said hey I'm gonna go back to my old profession I got nothing else to do here because the Lord that the Lord is no longer here and this is where the Lord appears to him and he doesn't recognize him at first and we remember that in the boat that they had brought in so much they couldn't. And when they had an abundance of fish is when he recognized that it was the Lord. And so we saw Peter jumped out of the boat and he went all the way to the shore. And he went and he met there and Jesus was making breakfast on the shore for Peter and the, and the apostles. He was making this, this breakfast. And remember the story, the beautiful story, as he, after they eat breakfast, he appears to Peter specifically and he tells him, Peter, do you love me? And you can imagine the way he felt. And he says, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, then feed my sheep. 
And he, and he tells him the second time, he said a few minutes later, he tells him, Peter, do you love me? And he responds, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend to my sheep. And this is, we see something in the Lord. We see him so much different than our human, that we are humanly. I don't know about you guys, but anybody humanly that has failed me, I am reluctant to give them back the responsibility that they once had. But we see the love of Christ, that he was restoring Peter. And not only did he give him the same responsibility, he gave him more. Because we see that God knew what was inside of Peter. And the third time he asked him, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend to my sheep. And he responded to that. And because Peter was restored, and this is the thing that each and every one of us in the room should be reminded of Peter, that God is in the business of restoring people today. I don't, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, where you come from. Jesus Christ is in the business of restoring people today. And he wants to restore us no matter what we've done. He wants to restore each and every one of us. And it is a beautiful thing for us to see. The last thing I'll leave um, in, the, in the introduction here is the letter was written somewhere, they believe, 64, 67 A.D. Uh, 67 A.D., remember, heavy persecution, Caesar Nero. Um, and so as they're reading through the Bible, they believe it started off being written in 64. Um, and so we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about it as we pick up um, the rest of the story here. So we'll start off in verse 1. And it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. One of the things we see here uh, early on is we see Peter introduces himself as Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, we remember that Paul, in his letters, he always had to write um, by the will of God, or he always wrote something so they would relate it to who he was. But we see that Peter, he needed no introduction. That he was someone that was well-known in the church, and so as he wrote these letters... Um, to them. And so um, if I didn't cover this, he's writing a letter to these people who are being persecuted um, by the church. And we've been seeing this as we went through uh, the book of Hebrews, as we went through the book of James. We see that these people were uh, seeking, um, uh, they were running from being persecuted. And so uh, this is exactly what's going on here. Uh, but one of the things that I think that's so amazing is he refers to them as pilgrims. Um, some um, translations say, calls them strangers. Um, and this is, um, this is a, a way of uh, Peter relating them back to when they came out of Egypt and they were sojourners, sojourners of looking for a land that they did not belong to or strangers. Um, and this fits very well with us today because many of us as followers and believers of Christ, even though that we are in the world, we are not of the world. This is not our home. Our home, we are strangers here. Our home is in heaven with the Lord, and we are heaven-bound if we've given our lives to Christ. And so these are the things that he has pointed out to him. Um, but one of the things that I, I loved about this, that we see this these places um, that he's calling them to is Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is, in that time, would be considered Asia Minor today. Um, currently, this is uh, the area of Turkey. Um, and we need to be praying as believers. Um, we need to be praying for the people of Turkey because we see a letter, Peter, an apostle of Christ, is writing a letter to these people that are in, in modern-day Turkey. Uh, but today, Christians are very, they're very scarce in, in Turkey. And they're, and they're, they're, but we see that in this time, um, there must have been a lot of them there that Peter the Apostle is writing a letter to them. And, and we see some of that. And one of the things that, as we see these things, 
I'm always reminded that the, Roman, the Romans were the ones that occupied um, Israel at this time. And remember that the, Jew, the Jewish people, they, they hated the Romans because they felt that they were occupying their land. But one of the things that they did do is they came with this amazing highway system that they would, their, all, their, uh, all their things, their, they would transport all the different things, commerce and all the things that they would transport through this amazing highway system that they had as they pointed out that this is what they used to transfer all these things, these goods from place to place in this Roman highway system. But I'm always reminded, and this is the reason why I'm bringing this up, is the Lord Jesus Christ used those very same roads to send his apostles to, sh to uh, spread the gospel all over the world. We see that, that, those, that Israel is not where it's at by, by no mistake, that this is a, the hub where the world would come and gather merchandise from there, and they would be dispersed all over the world. And this is why the Lord would use his apostles to preach the gospel in those areas so that the gospel would go out to the world. And, and we see that the opportunity for the, for the apostles that they had, that opportunity is available to each and every one of us in this room. Um, I, I wouldn't consider myself a, a person of social media that I like to go out, but that is the avenue, the highway that we can use to sh share the gospel of Jesus Christ with so many of us. So many of you that I know that you guys are very, very good, very tech technical, uh, advanced in, in your computer skills and Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and some of the things that we see that even as COVID-19 and a lot of things happened that we were affected by COVID-19, but that made us available. And some of the things that we see that God used that opened up a channel that we would be able to share the gospel here in a hot rod Bible study with other people all over the world that they can come and they can see the, the gospel of Christ. And so we see the gospel going to other places. Um, but this comes from, um, this reminded me of, it comes from Matthew 24, 14. And it says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world and the witness of all the nations, and then the end will come. And we see that this is an opportunity for us to fill the gospel, to fill the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think many of us, I think that oftentimes we sit back, and this is me, myself included, that I sit back and I say, how can I reach more people for the gospel of Christ? Social media is the way that we can reach people uh, for Christ. And I know many of you think that, oh yeah, but when I put something on there about the Lord, I'm going to be persecuted. Remember what the Bible said, they first hated him, right, before, and so they're, of course, the world's going to hate us. Uh, but this is just one of the things that I see here. So in verse 2, it says, um, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is going to be an area that uh, I think many of you are, are, are going to kind of get a little, uh, some of the other commentators are saying a lot of people have problems with this. As we point out the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And so this is clearly saying that God elected us. He chose us. He chose us. Each and every one of us were chosen. And this is where kind of other, other areas, people get a little bit weird. And they say, though, so you mean to tell me that God chose some of us and he didn't choose other people? No, he chose us all. He chose us all. The gospel is to all men. The gospel is for all men. And so this is the reason why the gospel is goes out. And he elected us in the foreknowledge. And it's hard for us in our minds to grasp the foreknowledge of God. It is hard for us to even fathom what it is. It means that before we were even created or even thought about, he knew 
where we were going to be and what we were going to be about and who we are. He knew all of it. And so many of us think, I love the way, I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said that it is a good thing that the Lord chose me before the foundations of the earth because after he might not have chose me. And, and so we see those things that many of us think that we think that if we have a bad day or maybe we stumble and fall, always be reminded that the Lord God chose us before the foundations of the earth. And some scripture to help you out with that, this is, comes from uh, Jeremiah uh, 6, 5. Um, and it says here, it says, Before I formed you um, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And here's from Ephesians uh, 1.4. It says, Just as he chooses us in him before the foundation of the world. And so we see that, that the Lord God had chose us before uh, we came to Christ. And, and, and many of us, like, we struggle with that. And we say, well, what, what do you mean? Then why did I, did I have to do something to accept the, the love of Christ? Did I have to do something? But think about it in a way that if somebody, if you were drowning in, in, a, in, in the ocean or you were drowning in somebody or in, in a river and somebody threw you a rope, that you, if you grabbed onto that rope, that rope could not save you if it wasn't tethered to somebody else. And we see that they had to make the first action and throw it out to you for you to be saved, for them to draw you in. And we see that God always makes a first step towards us, right? He always is the one that, that reaches out and he wants to reach in each and every one of us. And so we see that God has chosen us. One of the things, last things I'll leave here in this particular verse is that we see the Trinity here. Um, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know the Trinity, many people will tell you this, Trinity is not in the Bible um, the word Trinity is not in here, but we see the Trinity here clearly in this verse. It talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit very clearly here. Um, and so we see that something we should always mark and remember that. So here in verse 3 it says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One of the things we see here in this verse that it says, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. And this is one of the things that we should always be reminded of God, that he has an abundant mercy towards us. And that we all know that mercy means not getting what we deserve. Because all of us in this room, the Bible says very clearly, we're guilty. Right? We're guilty. We know. And the, and the, and the Bible is very clear. It says the wages of sin is death. Right? But the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And we see that, that, that we see that he wants to extend love and he wants to extend the love of Christ, that we would be saved, that we would be rescued uh, by the love of Christ. And I just love that, that he always uh, finds a way that his mercy is always so amazing. And it says here he has begotten us again. Um, this is being born again. That we were born again. And we remember um, that this comes from uh, John 3, 5. They said what is born of water is water and what is born of the spirit is spirit. I love the way that Pastor Ed spoke about the water. That means that we were born from our, from our mothers in the embryonic fluid. That water, that we were born of water is water. But what is born of the spirit is the spirit that we have come and accepted the love of Christ. And the Holy Spirit has come and we have breathed life into us once again. And this is this verse is, is talking about that um, coming again and accepting uh, being born again. It's so amazing. Uh, but here as it speaks of the resurrection, it says through the hope 
a living hope. Remember that Jesus Christ is a living hope. You know, there's so many things that go on um, throughout the world. And one of the things, and, and I don't mean to be uh, saying anything about this, um, there was a, a lady that I, I worked uh, with, and uh, she came to the church, and, and our church, the Packing House, was having a concert. And, and I was there, and I was doing some things in the back um, after church, and this uh, lady came up, and she said, Hey, Mike, how you doing? And she came and started talking to me. I said, Hey, I, how, how you doing? What brings you to the church? Because I knew that she didn't come to our church. And she says, Oh, they're having a concert here. I, I'm buying some tickets, but I'm just trying to figure out what seat. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, she's trying to pick out one of her seats. Where's she going to sit? I said, Okay. And she goes, Wow, it, it really amazes me that you're here. I thought you were, she just said, I thought you were Catholic. And I, and I said, no, I, I'm not. I've, I've always come to this church. And, and she said, she goes, really? She goes, I, I could have swear that you were you were Catholic. And, and I said, no. And then she goes, well, you know that, well, I always see, I always thought that I saw you with a crucifix. And I said, oh, no, I don't wear a crucifix with him on it. I said, because he's not on it. He's alive. He's alive. And, and this is one of the things that I always take away from when we see the cross. And, and I always see when I see people that have actually Christ on the cross, I'm always reminded he is not on the cross anymore. He is alive. He is alive. And it always encourages me so much to see when I see somebody that wears a cross. But when I see the crucifix, not that I frown on it, it's just, it, it gives me, it, 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 like when I see someone that has a crucifixion on it and they actually have the Lord on it, I always look at me and I say, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity to share Christ with them. And, 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 and I've told many of you, you guys all know more than me, that we need to share the love of Christ out of love. And, and I wouldn't, go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, that crucifixion or say something about it. I wouldn't say something. I, you would just try to share, oh, I can see that you're a believer and you try to share the love of Christ with them. And this is an amazing opportunity um, that we have to share the love of Christ with them. So here in verse 4, it says, to an inheritance um, that's incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So we see that our inheritance is uh, incorruptible, that it cannot be uh, taken down, it's undefiled. One of the commentators um, had spoke about this, reminded me of you, JJ, that he spoke about that his inheritance, he had put it all in his stocks and his bonds and all these things, and he said in 2008, uh, one day he woke up, and he said, what happened to it all? It was all, it was all, almost all gone. And so he said, I, I, I learned at that point not to put my trust in the things of the world. Um, but one, you know, I, I had another story to go along with that, that I knew some people that are uh, very, very uh, successful business people, and they uh, run a company. And the first generation, um, usually they say that they're the ones that get all the work. So they're the ones that started the business, and they have a tremendous amount of work. Um, this, the, the second generation came along, and they're the ones that actually reaped all the rewards. But at that time, the, the company grew tremendously, and it grew tremendously. But the third generation came along, and this was their, always their worry. The third generation came along and they say, is this company going to make it because this is my inheritance? They were always so worried about their inheritance. But if we give our lives to Christ, we need, we don't, we need to have security. We will have security in our inheritance knowing that Christ has promised us an eternal life. Um, and so these are the things that God has promised us. And so we never need to worry about our inheritance. Our inheritance is always secure. And there is no stock market or anything that's going to happen that can crash it. Not Satan, not anything else. God has promised us eternal life. And that is secure. We can, we can bet whatever you want on it or, or put whatever you want on it. That, that is one of the things that we have for sure. So here in verse 5 it says, um, Who are kept by the power of God through faith. For salvation, ready um, to be 
revealed in, in the last time. Um, and this is uh, one of the things um, that we see here in verse 5. It says, kept by the power of God. And so these are the things that God does for us. And so we ask it many times. We ask, what, what can we do for God um, to be saved? And it says, we see here in these last couple of verses that God gives us abundant mercy, a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, incorruptible, um, uh, it's undefiled, uh, does not fade away. Uh, he's, uh, our, our, we have a, a reservation in heaven, um, kept by the power of God. And it says, many of us ask, these are all the things that God does for us, but many of us ask, what should we do for God? What should we do for God? And, and I love this because um, this comes from, um, well, one of the things that we can do for God, we can, uh, it says that we are to have faith. We are to have faith. But God has done it all. And that's all we need to do. We need to have faith. Remember that John 3.16 says that, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, right? Whosoever that would believe in him, have faith in him, would not perish, but have eternal life. That whosoever, this is the faithfulness. And so many people think that they need to do a work of God. Our work is to have faith in what his finished work that he did on the cross. Have faith in the things of God. And these are the things that, the area that we need to be reminded of. And, and um, this comes from um, John 6, 28 and 29. Um, the, the, they asked Jesus um, that what, uh, what shall we do um, that you want us to do the works of what are the works of God? And this comes from John 6, 28 and 29. And Jesus answered and said, um, this is the work of God, that you believe in him and whom he sent. You see, God has done it all. It is finished. The Palestine, right on the on the cross. And so uh, we see that there. Um, and I think it's just so powerful that we see the love of Christ uh, for us, that he went on the cross and did it all for us. So here. Here in verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, through now for a little while, if need be, you have uh, been grieved by various trials. And what Peter is speaking to them about is the, the trials that we go through, that the inheritance that we've been given will outweigh the trials and tribulations that we go through here on earth. That we remember that this, uh, this inheritance that we have, that it cannot be taken away from us, that we are to know that this uh, inheritance and so we need not to be concerned but one of the things that really jumped out at me here is it said it says here in this verse it says if need be um and it made me believe that in these times that if need be that we're going to go through these trials and tribulations that it says here that if need be and, and it really opened up my eyes because i think many of us we think that sometimes that this storm that comes in our life that it comes out of nowhere but we see that God loves us so much that he sees us that maybe if we're not drawn to the things of God or if we're going out in another area, that the Lord says he needs to draw us back. And so he says, if need be, he'll give us these trials and tribulations in our life, if need be. Um, but if it doesn't, and if we are walking next to the Lord or walking close <coughs> to Christ, that he would need to gather our attention. Um, I think it was powerful that we see that there. And so in verse 7, it says that the genuineness of your faith uh, being much more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire, um, may be found in the praise, honor, and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we see here in this verse is the genuineness of our faith. Um, it says here that we are so that um, your faith 
may be uh, proven genuine. Um, and this is one of the things, the reason why, and, it, and, it, and the Lord is always um, tr testing our faith. He is always testing our faith. And many people think that, that the Lord is testing our faith so that we would know, so, so that he would know how much faith we have. No, he is testing our faith so that we would know how much faith we have because he is preparing us for the road ahead. He is preparing us for the things that are coming. We're always, I'm always reminded when I come to something like this about the faith, uh, having the faith in the things of God. I'm always reminded of David, right? And we remember that when he was a little shepherd boy, that it was the bear that came and attacked him. And he had his sling and he, and he, he took down the bear. And then we remember that he was out there and the shepherd boy would try to attack the sheep once again. And it was the lion and he took out the lion with, with, the, with the sling. The Lord was preparing him for the giant. <coughs> And the Lord is preparing each and every one of us for the giant in our lives. And so we need to be constantly be aware of the things. One of the things that it points out here is the gold. Um, and many of us know how gold is refined, right? Gold is they heat it up, right, in a crucible. And, it, and we see that they always take the dross off the top of the gold, right? They take it off the top. And, and many times, and then they heat it up again, and they take the dross, the impurities out of it. They're taking the impurities out of the gold constantly. And when the refiner, when he... When he stops heating it up is when he can see his reflection in the gold. It's when he stops heating it because that means that all the impurities are out of it. And this is the thing with our Lord that when he heats us up to a degree that we can see no more impurities in us, it'll probably be a few seconds before he takes us home. And so we always need to be reminded that the refiner is always trying to refine us um, into, the, into those areas. And so... Um, I'm always touched by that. And so here in verse 8 it says, Whom having not seen you love through now, you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Uh, one of the other commentators said, This is how you know you have the genuineness of your faith. One of the things it says, Even though you have not seen the Lord, that you know that you love the Lord. This is one of them. Uh, the second one he said that even though you have not seen the Lord, that do you believe in the Lord? And this is one of the other things that we know, the genuineness of your faith. And the last one, he said that even though you have never seen the Lord, you have joy in the Lord. And I think it was powerful that we see that those are the things that, that, uh, that we are to have, the joy. And we're always reminded that, remember in the upper room um, where Jesus came back in his resurrected body again, uh, and he wanted to come back, and he remember that it was Thomas it was, they, well, he gets a bad name in the Bible because they call him Doubting Thomas. Um, but many of us probably would have said the same thing. If we don't see it or feel it or touch it, we won't believe. But remember that he appeared to Jesus once again. And he said, blessed are you, uh, uh, Thomas, that you see. He said, blessed are those who do not see me and yet believe. <clears throat> and so this is me and this is you that have not seen the Lord. But yet, though we have not seen him, we believe. And so the Lord was speaking to us that we are, to be, we are blessed. By never seeing him. Go ahead, Paul. Isn't it wonderful that God, Jesus didn't condemn Thomas for having to touch his hands and put his hand in his side? He didn't condemn him. He said, go ahead. And I, I see a lot of us have that kind of a personality. And and he he works with every personality that's, that that we have. It's, it's wonderful. He never condemns us. He never condemns us. And, and, you know, through these stories, that's, that's excellent, um, Paul, because one of the things that we see the character of God, we see the character of God that when he has those opportunities 
that Thomas, he could say something to him. We see the character of God that he always tries to reach him with love, with love. And remember, as, as we are being sanctified, as, as God is doing a work in each and every one of our lives, that God has called us to be Christ-like. He is calling us to be conformed, to, be, to walk like Christ. And this is what we are to do. And, and I love the way that you pointed that out, because many of us do. People do things to us, and the first thing we want to do is we want to, we want to, you know, our flesh comes out of us, and we want to go back, revert back. And this is the reason why I say, if the Lord has names, other names for us, he, you, oftentimes he called me by my, my name. Hey, Mike, what are, you, what are you going back to? Whatever he named you now, he's like, you're still going back to that Mike, who you are, because this is the flesh. And this is what we are called to be, loving like the Lord. And, and as Thomas is, he loved on Thomas. Uh, but yeah, very good, Paul. I love that. So here in verse 9, it says, um, Receiving the end of your faith, uh, the salvation of your souls. And so we know that the receiving of the end of our faith, and this is the, the time that we will go and be with the Lord, um, one of the things that's always uh, so powerful that, um, that we see that we have joy in the salvation of our souls. Matthew um, 16, 24 through 26, um, it says here, it says, um, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is a man if he gains a whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We see, Lord, um, tonight as we close um, our, our, our last verse, one of the things that I'm always reminded of, that we would ask the Lord to help us show others, our loved ones, our family, and our friends, that there isn't anything in this world um, that's more valuable than their salvation. That God has promised us an eternal home. That remember that Paul always um, referred to our bodies as tents. And I don't know about you guys, but this tent is, is starting to have show signs of wear. Uh, a lot of wear. Uh, but we always need to be reminded that God has prepared a place for each and every one of us. His word says very clearly, I, uh, my father, uh, in my father's house there are many mansions. And I love this because when we think mansions in our in our minds, we think about this huge house on the hill. But this is, speaks about in the Bibles clearly. It is a permanent dwelling place. You know, the, in the last couple of verses, when it was speaking about um, gold, uh, we see that gold. What makes it so valuable down here on earth is that it's very rare. Um, but we see that when we go to heaven, uh, one of the things that I'm reminded of is that when we go to heaven. Remember that the, the asphalt, the, the road to heaven, or the, the road there in heaven is paved with gold. And so we see that it is, uh, it is all the roads are gold. The asphalt is gold. And so it got me thinking about a little bit. You know, I started getting my, uh, uh, my hot rod Bible study. I started getting my thinking. I said, I wonder what a burnout would look like on a gold paved road, right? What would it look like? But the thing that I'm always reminded of is that many of us, like uh, I came kind of like from the lowrider world. And I'm thinking that when we get to heaven, that we won't want to be doing burnouts anymore because remember that we will have eternity, that we can take it low and slow. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen? So, Father God, we thank you uh, for the study once again tonight, Father. We thank you for your love for each and every one of us, Lord. And, Lord, we, we thank you for your gifts and your uh, security of the inheritance um, of 
being with you, Father. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, that we would uh, go out and tell others of this amazing inheritance that you have given to each and every one of us, not because we're good, Lord, but because you are. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sounds like you used to encourage me. Uh, East Street. Yeah. East Street. That was way back. I did before you did. Yes.